Jesus. We've been on this journey for a few years now. We're excited, of course. We're nervous at the same time. This is it. All the training has led to this point. But there's that mixture of an anticipation and excitement and all those things. I think with going out to the foreign field, I think leaving family and friends is the, probably the biggest downside, especially when you've got young children. A three-year course on the, on the field is a big time for them. Eloise is four, Arthur's three, and now Jude is six months. So when we are hopefully back in Northern Ireland, a lot will have changed. So I definitely do feel for our families. I think looking back, I can just see God's faithfulness and his goodness to us. Each step of the way, he's clearly showed us what the next path, what the next route, where we were to go next. And I think that's just moving forward. It's gratefulness on our part and that it can never be looked upon as a sacrifice because it's such a privilege where we're at today that we'll be able to serve together. And, and it's amazing to look back and just seem more excited about as we look forward of what God will do for us. I was brought up in Balamoni and I was born into a Christian family. My mum and dad were well-saved folks and they sent us out a lot to church and it was a good Christian environment that I was brought up in. I have four other siblings, uh, one older brother and three sisters and I'm the youngest. Uh, I loved growing up on the farm. Um, I guess uh, I didn't take after my dad in the farming sense of things, but I did really enjoy just the practical outdoors living and the freedom of the farm and getting stuck into anything and everything. I was saved around about the age of nine and it was my sister uh, brought me to Christ one Lord's Day afternoon. Uh, we used to as a family play Sunday school and it was actually just my sister being the teacher um, just presented the gospel to me. and. At the end, I wanted to accept Christ as my saviour, so um, that was as simple as that, just a simple gospel message. Throughout my, my school days, I, I guess you could say I was a very awkward, shy person, so I kept myself to myself. Um, I got through school, it's not that I didn't like it, it's not that I overly enjoyed it. Nothing major during those years, I thank God for um, preserving me throughout those years, giving me a good group of friends. And, but the reality is I never really, although a Christian, I never really had any um, 
desire to be a, a minister or a, a missionary. That was never on my radar. After leaving school I left straight after my GCSEs and then I began working in Macaulay's Engineering. In my late teens, maybe early twenties, uh, I started working with Armand Tomasi and he worked in Macaulay's Engineering as well. And he would always just challenge me with the question, what are you doing for the Lord? And at that point the Lord really started to, to use him to, to challenge him more and more about what I was doing for the Lord and what, making my life count for him. And I got before the Lord one night and was just seeking the Lord to, to reveal to me what's his will for my life. And I read from 1 Timothy that night, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12 especially, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. But whenever I read that verse, the only thing I could see was the last word, ministry. And while God challenged me, I just, um, with being who I was, the awkward kind of shy, backward kind of guy that I was, I just couldn't see myself being in the ministry. So I, th I just counted it as coincidence that wasn't, that wasn't for me. Uh, but the Lord just continued to challenge me about doing something for him. I kept on using opportunities with Armin to go in the doors and maybe testify here and there and speak. So the Lord was definitely challenging me to do something. So I was praying again. On another occasion I got before the Lord, what would you have me to do? And again I was led to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 in my daily readings. And this time I couldn't just discount it as a coincidence and I decided that night the Lord was calling me into the ministry. While still working in Macaulay's, um, I began working alongside another man called Stephen Martin and he had previously been out with New Tribes Mission on the field in Papua New Guinea uh, doing some practical work and he, was, he came in one, one day showing all these pictures and of course with me and my um, nervousness about the ministry, thinking about the pulpit ministry or something like that, I was immediately drawn to the practical uh, side of things that, that he was involved in. And so I decided to do a three-week trip, something called a summit trip with New Tribes Mission, um, to go out to Papua New Guinea and to be involved in that kind of work, the practical side of things, thinking that maybe that's what the Lord would have me to do. While on that trip, however, um, the Lord just really challenged me with the need for missionaries in the sense, not only practical, but missionaries in the sense of church planting missionaries to, to go and plant churches in places that have never had the gospel. Coming home from that trip with that challenge then, um, I decided to test the waters again and, and decided that I would go to Papua New Guinea again, uh, but this time for, for one year, to see firsthand then how those missionaries on the ground uh, went about church planting and reaching those who never had the gospel. So coming home from that one year experience in Papua New Guinea, I then decided to enrol in the training with New Tribes Mission in England. And it's a, a two year course, the first year is a, a biblical course and then the second year is a more of an intensive uh, missionary training. I went to England then in 2015 to start my training and that's where I really began to get to know Rachel a little bit more. She was already finished her first year and second year and I had just started my first year. 
Because we had been friends for so long, a couple of years, and then I'd also followed his um, his trip to Papua New Guinea, so I had kept touch throughout that year as well. So um, it was quite exciting then for him to actually be there, someone else from Northern Ireland, someone with similar background, a pre-Presbyterian too. And then it was just, as we started to discuss classes together, we realized that there was, we had a lot of similarities, wanted the same thing from life. And yeah, it was an exciting stage for us. Things did move pretty quick once we got together. I think it was the Christmas um, of my first year, 2015, and we were engaged within six weeks. <laughs> so it did happen quick, but there was that friendship there beforehand. And um, for, for me, it was important to have somebody that was on the same journey as I was, to not feel like if we were to get married, I would be dragging my wife to the mission field against her will. Rachel was already on that path, she was training and I, I entered in a year later and we got together. And then they advised us to go home for a bit, to get married, to kind of get that foundation right before coming back. Um, so that's what we did and we got married in December 2016. And the following year then we went back again um, for David to complete his second year. And it was at that stage where I volunteered in the finance office for, for the year. Initially that um, missionary influence kind of began early in my life. Um, I was saved when I was seven, um, brought up, um, I was the eldest of four, and we were brought up in the Sandown congregation. So Sandown's always been a very missionary oriented church and we would have had missionaries over for dinner. We would have, um, when we went on holiday, we would have visited the mission field. So I always feel like I was exposed to um, the missionary need, the fact that people left their own homes and went to the foreign field to share the good news of the gospel. So growing up I always had that interest and even as a teenager I felt that God would maybe call me one day to Africa. And it was at university where I really started feeling um, discontent really about where my life was going. I wasn't happy um, in my course, just struggling with the future plans. And I started reading then Joshua 1 verses 8 and 9, very familiar verses. And it was then I started to really consider what I thought was a successful and prosperous life. And it really started working me about meditating in the Word of God day and night. And at that stage, I felt that God was leading me into Bible College. Um, at that time there was a youth conference on at New Tribe, so I went over for that and that just gave me the confidence in then coming back, speaking to Mr Wilson and the session and they were happy to um, back me and support me going forward to my application to Bible College. Coming to the end of our training in New Tribes, we were of course praying to God and asking what's the next step for us and while praying about our future uh, we got a phone call from Mr Park, my pastor, and he asked me if we would be willing to go to Kenya for a period of time, it was three months, and we were thinking about it, praying about it, and we decided it would be a good step for us. The door was open to do that and we decided to say yes, we'd go for the three months. And we enjoyed the trip, uh, we got to know some of the missionaries and uh, some of the local pastors like Patrice as well and we built up good friendships there. But after the three months of course we came home and the next step then for us was deciding what to do next and we decided to then enrol in the Whitfield College of the Bible which would be for the four year ministerial term. During the course of our training in the Whitfield we got the opportunity on our third year to, to go out to Uganda on a couple of occasions, first of all by myself and then the second trip was as a whole family.
guess the benefit of those trips, going as a couple to Kenya and then going as a family, any concerns that you do have, um, really, you can see how the Lord helps through those each different circumstance and you can grow in that confidence as well. Coming to the end of our training now with the Whitfield College, um, the question was where would the Lord have us and there was an up and coming VBS trip uh, happening that the mission board was organising and they asked me to join in that VBS trip. So we set out on that trip um, with the mindset and with the prayer that the Lord would um, reveal to us either Uganda is the place for you or Kenya is the place for you. And he did um, reveal his will to us while there. One of the opportunities we had on that trip was to visit the prisons and I myself was speaking at this prison and afterwards uh, the prisoners were they were asking questions and there were ones who had been counselled for salvation before but they were asking then well where do we go for teaching when we get out of prison um, where do we hear good teaching where do we hear the gospel and there's a great need there for discipleship and for leading these new believers uh, in the things of the gospel and the things of Christ uh, so on the back of that Mr Wilson was speaking and he, he spoke about Jonah how that there was all these believers came uh, came to faith there in Nineveh and instead of staying and discipling those believers Jonah Jonah just left and so with with the conversations that I had with Mr. Kerskadden and others about the need for discipleship and these believers coming to Christ and they need discipled, I was really challenged with how can I just get up and leave? How could I be a Jonah? So as we go out to Uganda then on a full-time basis, of course we, we plan to fit in with the team and the things that are already happening there, especially with Mr. Kerskadden and in the church there at Emmanuel. So we'll be fitting in there in whatever role or capacity that will be for us. And also there's a great need outside of the walls of the compound as well. And I would love to really use the training that we've had to, to get out amongst the community there, to, to learn the culture, learn the language, uh, with the intention to evangelize and God willing, maybe even plant a church. As we think towards our time on the field, um, we would really value your prayers as you get behind us as a family, um, especially as we adjust as a family of five. Also just general day-to-day -day life, um, it's a very much normal situation. We'll, I still will have to cook, I will still have to clean, wash, it just might take a wee bit longer. And then alongside that I would really want to learn the language as well, so that one day that I'll be able to come alongside the team and help the rest of the missionaries as well.
language of course is going to be crucial as a prayer request for you to pray that we would learn the language quickly and learn it well. Um, we mentioned about being part of the community and getting out to evangelise that community and we really can't do that effectively if we don't learn the language and alongside that the culture. So we really ask you to pray that God will give us grace and the help that we need to learn that. And above all else, of course, that the Lord will be glorified as the people see us interact as a family, as we interact as a team, that ultimately it would be God that would get the glory from anything that we do, anything that the team does there in Uganda. I suppose with um, my upbringing and because we've visited Africa, um, I think we feel comfortable in Africa. We maybe don't have the same worries and concerns because we have that confidence and ultimately we know that that's where God wants us to be. We have that confidence that He will provide and He will look after us and that goes right down to our children as well. Thinking back on how the Lord has led me to where I'm at today, um, I think of that verse that he gave me all those years ago uh, about being called into or put into the ministry. Um, it took me some years actually to understand really what the Lord was saying through that verse. And it wasn't that I'm in this ministry because of me or because of anything um, good in me that I'm fit for this ministry, but it was the Lord that put you into the ministry, but not only to put you there, he enables you to be in that ministry. And throughout the years, from getting that verse until now, you can see the Lord's hand just each step of the way, preparing us for this point. And with that encouragement from the past, I think that's the only encouragement we can take also to the future. So just ask you to pray that the Lord will continue to lead us and direct us. Initially, whenever I first went to Papua New Guinea, on my prayer card was Matthew 5 and 16. God has always been concerned with his own glory, that his glory would be declared throughout all the earth. And as we go to Uganda now, it's the same. So we decided to use that verse again um, in the hope that we would be living examples of what it says there in Matthew 5 verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Hope that was encouraging for you. So, I had a text that I was going to leave with you. 
and it just feels wrong wrong text. Go to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Mr. Macaulay made talked about him being awkward as a a young man and I'm not sure I would have called him awkward but he was certainly quiet uh, a young man of few words um, and definitely more outdoorsy and good with his hands and of of that nature and uh, just think back to those days it's very encouraging to see how God has led him Encourage one another, beloved. Encourage one another in the work of God. There's no way, there's no way anyone could have anticipated he would be going to Uganda. I just wanted him to accompany me on the doors in evangelism. Just come with me, you know, just... What are you doing for the Lord, David? Come with me on the doors. And that's how you get to where you are, isn't it? One step at a time. And to those of us who are more mature, reaching to the younger ones and encouraging them to come alongside us. In every respect, the deacons here, putting your hand on, on younger men to help you with the job, to come alongside you, say, hey, can you help me here? Giving them things to do, putting a, a broom in their hand to clean up after on Sunday evening, or whatever it might be. Just making them see that they are part of something bigger and that they need to know their place in that bigger framework of the church and the kingdom of God. <laughs> it was a lot easier when you're not in the pulpit uh, to, to pester people to do something, you know. <laughs> But I think back of just, you know, talking to David and just pestering, you know, come, come on, week after week after week. And uh, if I preached to you like that, you would, you would, uh, you would get a little upset. Um, but I, I, listen, I, all these memories came back and I thought, you know, when I put before you the value of the kingdom of God and surrendering your life to Christ, I'm not just following into a 
I'm not doing just what people expect a minister to do. And it's always from the moment God saved me. It's like, why would you do anything other than serve Christ? Why? And make sure you know your role in that kingdom. So I, I want to just leave with you in light of the Macaulay's and there'll be forthcoming missionaries and videos we put before you. Matthew 9. Matthew 9. Verse 35. I'm not going to pass much in the way of comment because I have nothing here except that this is what came to mind watching that video. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. There are so many places in America and beyond that have no shepherd. People who have no shepherd. The devastation of bad teaching, false teaching on the souls of men. And all that you would see that need. And I can't help but focus on some of the younger folks here seeing the need. There are people without a shepherd. They don't have anyone. And we sit here with an embarrassment of riches. Northern Ireland's the same way. An embarrassment of riches. Living comfortably. Again, we have our stations. But surely some, surely some have to feel in their heart some sense of compassion for those who have no shepherd. And Jesus, who exemplified such heart and love that brought him from heaven to the earth in the greatest missionary endeavor ever, then turns to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And he asks us, such is the urgency, such is the demand, such is the need. Like it's so pressing. He invites them into his own burden of prayer. A prayer he no doubt was offering already and says to them, pray ye. Pray ye. Pray with me. That the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest.
that's where it begins. Praying. The text I was going to leave with you tonight is from Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue ye in prayer. And this is one area where we must continue in prayer. Prayer card ministry, again, to encourage you to get involved with that. It's just one way we pray locally, but our missionaries, these, these prayer bulletins, these uh, opportunities that you have to uphold people who are, have gone when you can't go, and then to pray for more because the laborers are so few. They're few in Ulster too, that's the thing. There's such, such a need, massive need for laborers. So I want us to think about that. Pray for the Macaulays, pray for, for many more laborers to go to the field. Let's sing and then we'll come to pray. Andy. Seven hundred three, seven hundred three. Hark, the voice of Jesus calling. Who will go and work today? Please stand as we sing seven hundred three.
certainly true, we can't all cross the ocean. There's something for us to do here. Are you witnessing, child of God? Are you? Are you witnessing? Are you talking to people about Christ? Are you sharing? Maybe just putting a tract into someone's hand? This, this is something that we all must be doing in some way. If we're not prepared to go to other places, there are people all around us that need the gospel. And... It can be a tragic thing to think of how infrequently some of us at times share Christ. There are so many perishing. Who will go and work today? Fields are white, harvests, they're waiting. You know, the thing is, if there started to be an ingathering of, of the harvest, if, there, if, if God began to do something unusual, you'd, there would be many believers who'd very quickly start getting busy. <laughs> I think, why is that the time to get busy? Now is the time to be busy. And it's hard. And there's work that needs to be done because so few are doing it. So, let's pray for the Macaulays, pretty much. I think they're aiming in the summer thereabouts, no doubt some practical aspects to that. Pray for them in their preparations to leave and go there. Pray for them in their learning of the language. I, I, admire, I admire that desire. It's going to be tough, but it will, you, you cannot, well, let me put it this way. When you think you understand a culture, having read every book that's available to you in a library about a land, I mean read everything. You can read everything. And only when you learn the language will you really begin to understand the culture. There are things that cannot be transmitted. It's very difficult because our, our way of comprehending comes through language. And there's so many things that you, you just can't get the essence of until you learn the language. So I admire their desire. It will help them have a footing with the people. And I, I do pray the Lord will, will help them speedily with that. So we'll pray, seek the Lord, and uh, pray specifically for uh, these folks and maybe, maybe one or two remember the other matters, those who need our prayers and other burdens as well. But we do want to give concentrated prayer for this family as they make plans to, to leave and, and go there. So I'll, I'll open a prayer, um, and then maybe I'll ask our brother Larry Killian, maybe after me. Larry, if you don't mind praying after me, and uh, then one after the other, let's, let's seek the Lord.